vulvodynia is chronic pain or discomfort around the opening of the vagina, the vulva, for which there's no identifiable cause and which lasts at least three months. The pain, burning, or irritation associated with vulvodynia can make the patient so uncomfortable that sitting for long periods of time or having intercourse can become unthinkable. The condition can last for months to years and is often misdiagnosed. So in this podcast, we're going to focus our attention on vulvodynia and vestibulitis. Prevalence rates of vulvar pain or vulvodynia really do vary based on the studies, and that's because there's not just one validated screening test, and there's several ways that patients may make this diagnosis or miss it. Overall, it's been published that a prevalence rate of anywhere from 5% at the low end up to 8% may occur. There's also some suggestion that black women are less likely than white women to screen positive for vulvodynia. Additionally, according to published studies, it has been shown that vulvodynia can occur across all strata of age. One study actually showed that vulvodynia prevalence is high in all decades of life all the way through age 70. Okay, before we keep going, I do have to emphasize once again just how varied the prevalence data is in the literature. We just quoted a 5 to 8% prevalence rate. But there's other authors that I found in doing the research in the background for this podcast that said it could occur up to 28% of the populations. Also, according to some authors, the cumulative incidence does seem to decrease with increasing age. But the most eye-opening data that I found in preparation for this podcast was that nearly half of all women affected chose not to seek any treatment at all. So remember to ask patients about vulvar pain during their usual workups. Vulvodynia, simply put, is chronic vulvar pain without an identifiable cause. The location, persistence, and severity of the pain vary among sufferers. Some women experience pain in only one area of the vulva, while others experience pain in multiple areas. The most commonly reported symptom is burning, but women's description of the pain does vary. One woman reports the pain like a acid being poured on the skin, while another can describe it as a dull ache, and yet another can state it's a tingling or a prickly type of sensation. There are two main subtypes, localized and generalized vulvodynia. So let's talk about this next. Localized vulvodynia is pain only at one vulvar site. If the pain is in the vestibule, the tissue surrounding the vaginal opening, then the diagnosis is vestibulodynia, also known as vestibulitis. The majority of women with localized vulvodynia have provoked vulvodynia, in which pain occurs or happens shortly after pressure is applied to the affected area. This can occur with sexual intercourse, tampon insertion, a gynecological exam, prolonged sitting, or even wearing fitted pants. A less common form of localized vulvodynia, known as clitorodynia, which is pain in the clitoris, can also occur and it can be obviously very painful. Provoked vulvodynia can be further classified as primary or secondary. Women with primary provoked vulvodynia have experienced vestibular pain since their first attempt at vaginal penetration. Women with secondary provoked vulvodynia have experienced pain-free sexual intercourse prior to the development of this new onset vulvar pain. 
All right, team, we just covered localized vulvodynia, but what about generalized vulvodynia? Well, for women with generalized vulvodynia, the pain occurs spontaneously and is relatively constant, but there can be some periods of symptom relief. Activities that apply pressure to the vulva, like prolonged sitting or sexual intercourse, typically exacerbate symptoms. And as the name implies, there's not just one set point that's painful. For generalized vulvodynia, it's pretty much the entire vulvar vestibular area that's in pain. As for the potential etiology, vulvodynia is not caused by an active infection or an STD. Through continued research efforts, it has moved closer to a true discovery of an etiology, but as of yet, there's not one distinct marker that we can say is a cause and effect while there's a lot of potential relationships that can develop or lead into vulvodynia. One of those is recurrent vaginal or vulvar infections. This is thought to include sensitization of the nerves, specifically in that posterior fourchette or that posterior, the bottom part of the vagina, that can lead to chronic nerve inflammation. An injury to or irritation of the nerves that transmit pain from the vulva to the spinal cord is the leading pathogenesis theory for vulvodynia. There can also be an increase in the number and the sensitivity of pain-sensing fibers in that area. There could be an elevated level of inflammatory substances specific to the vulva. And remember that there may be also an abnormal response of different types of vulvar cells to environmental factors like an infection or previous trauma. Lastly, it may be caused by pelvic floor muscle spasm or instability that affects not the vaginal area, which remember that's vaginismus, but specifically the outer vaginal or the outer vulvar muscles leading to vulvodynia. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. The diagnosis of vulvodynia is based on clinical assessment. Remember, a thorough history and physical is key here because we have to make sure to rule out other dermatological vulvar conditions or active infections. The provider will likely perform the cotton swab test. During this test, gentle pressure is applied to various vulvar sites, and then the patient is asked to rate the severity of the pain. If the pain occurs by the area between the Bartholin's glands at about 5 and 7 o'clock, in that posterior fourchette just above the perineal body, then the diagnosis can be made of vestibulitis. This is a chronic problem and unfortunately does affect quality of life for a lot of women. Unfortunately, there's not one set treatment to address this condition. Vulvodynia treatments focus on relieving the symptom because we don't yet know the true etiology. No one treatment works for every woman. And for many, a combination of treatments work best. Now, this can take time to find the right treatment, so it's important to be a patient advocate and work with the patient to not give up too early because this is a long-term treatment goal. 
Although vovodynia is not caused by any single factor, it can be aggravated by acid foods in the diet, according to some studies, by low levels of estrogen hormone, and by any concomitant vaginal infections. At the same time, it seems that many treatments bring about at least some relief in some women. One option that has been proven to be successful has been the combination of estradiol and lidocaine topical ointments applied to the area multiple times a day for over six to eight weeks. Now, some women do note considerable improvement with this combination therapy. Other options can include biofeedback therapy. This therapy can help reduce pain by teaching the patient how to relax pelvic floor muscles and control how the body responds to pain on contact. Also, local anesthetics can be used. Medications like lidocaine ointment, which we've already discussed, can provide some temporary relief, but local anesthetics, specifically lidocaine-based, can be a problem during intercourse because it obviously decreases sensation. Nerve blocks are another published option. Women who have long-standing pain that don't respond to topical medications may benefit from some local nerve block injections. Some authors also advocate for pelvic floor therapy. Some patients who have concomitant vaginismus can find benefit from biofeedback or pelvic floor therapy combined. Some medications may be a benefit here as well. Sometimes tricyclic antidepressants or anti-epileptic drugs, medications that have been shown to be effective for neuropathic pain, also seem to be effective for vovodynia. When pelvic muscles have become abnormally tight as a result of the pain, then it's usually a combination of pelvic floor muscle exercise or pelvic floor therapy, in addition to one of these medical therapies that tends to provide the most relief. According to some published literature, medical measures and pelvic floor therapy can help anywhere from 8 to 9 of 10 women who have vovodynia. Lastly, and for those patients specifically with localized pain or vestibulitis, surgery can be an option, but this is definitely not the first, second, or even the third line of therapy. It should be reserved for recalcitrant cases where patients' quality of life is affected. This surgery, which is vulvar vestibuloplasty, involves excising the skin over the perineal body and between the Bartholin's glands and then plicating some of that tissue together in an attempt to reduce the burden of abnormal nerve firing. Of course, this isn't just done in isolation. This usually is followed by some of those neuropathic meds in order to reduce sensitization of the nerves post-op. And lastly, other treatments that have been reported, but with varying and sometimes disappointing rates of success, include laser treatment, interferon injection, a low oxalate diet, and this biofeedback issue as a primary treatment rather than an adjuvant. Again, these have been proven to be effective in some studies, but not all. Thanks for being part of our podcast family, and we'll see you next time on another episode of Clinical Pearls.